Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to talk about one of the probably well-known up-and-coming actresses, Alicia Vikander, even though you really can't say she's up-and-coming because she's been around for 10 years. But she's one of those, and I think it helps because she is European. It's an actress who's been in a lot of work, but is still not like stratospherically famous Unlike maybe some other women that are her age, like someone like Emma Stone or Jennifer Lawrence, who can't walk around uh, any large American city without being recognized. Vikander, and we'll talk about this regarding her looks, has just one of those looks where most people would not recognize her because her looks are nothing special. Either way, I posit the question, is Alicia Vikander a good actress? Let's go through her work. She is Swedish. She was born and raised in Gothenburg, which is one of the largest cities in Sweden. And she got her big break in a movie called Pure, which I have seen. Um, she's very young in this. She's like 21 when this movie came out. And I don't know. It's, it's pretty European, but we'll get to her major work. So she gets her big break, I think, in terms of, of American movies or well-known movies would be a royal affair. A role affair is Madge Mickelson, you know, great, great villain, Casino Royale, and, and most recently in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And she plays the the queen of a king and has an affair with, I think Mick Mickelson plays the doctor, the doctor of the mentally ill king. And she's fine in this. Uh, she is Swedish, but of course, like, Rebecca Ferguson, The Sexy Saturday that we have here. They obviously can speak English, and she does a great job with an English accent there. So she gets that big break, and again, she's young. She's only 22. She has a role in Anna Karenina. This is the the strange <laughs> adaptation done by Joe Wright that's got Keira Knightley in the lead. And, I mean, I like this movie, and she's fine in it. She, she plays Kitty in it, one of the, the more minor roles, but she's fine in it. And 2013, she does Fifth Estate, which is a small movie with Cumberbatch. She does a movie called Hotel. Again, small movie, Swedish movie. 2014 is a big break for her. She does Ex Machina. Ex Machina is a movie directed by Alex Garland. And it's got Oscar Isaac as an inventor of, I believe she's like a robot, right? And Dom and Gleason is invited to their to his headquarters in some island somewhere. And so... She plays the the, ro the robot, Ex Machina means from a machine, and it's a fascinating movie. I like the movie more than I like necessarily her performance. I think her performance is great because you know, it's difficult to mimic like a robot. And her exploration of kind of human thoughts and feelings, I find the movie to be, you know, very fascinating psychological thriller. And I think all three of them are good. Domin Gleeson, I gotta do an episode here. Like, what happened to this guy? Like, 2014, 2015, he is hot. Coming off of About Time with my girl, Rachel McAdams. He is in the Star Wars movies. 
And I don't know what happened to that guy, but great movie, Ex Machina. Then 2015, she does, I mean, this is this is her first, I would say, big break into mainstream movies. She does A Man From Uncle. This is the Guy Ritchie movie. I think this movie is great. It's got Army Hammer before he was canceled, and it's got Henry Cavill before he is Superman, and she plays a love interest. Essentially, it's 1960s. It's based on the TV show where Cavill plays a CIA agent, and Army Hammer plays a Russian KGB, KGB agent, and they have to like unite to stop like a megalomaniac from getting the atomic bomb. So she plays the, the female in it. She's fine in it. Danish Girl. Danish Girl is a movie that... Tom Hooper, King's Speech, among other things. She gets the Academy Award for this movie. Eddie Redmayne gets nominated. This is this is the movie where it's his character. It's, it's kind of a transgender thing that takes place uh, probably about 100 years ago where it's a man who identifies as a woman and V. Kander plays the love interest. And, I, you know, te- even 10 years ago, it just tells you how far, like, the narrative has changed so much and so quickly. This this movie was considered pretty revolutionary at the time. And again, this movie is only eight years old. And so she gets, she wins the Academy Award. I think she's fine, but again, it's just... I think she's fine, but she has Uncle and Danish Girl in this in this year. She's also in Bradley Cooper's movies Burnt, and I've seen this movie recently. He's the one where he plays kind of the down and out chef. It's almost like it's almost like the bear before the bear was the bear. And I remember more Sienna Miller's character than Alicia Vikander's character in this movie. 2016, she's in Jason Bourne. And in The Light Between the Oceans. The Light Between the Oceans is actually a great movie. This is the movie where Fastbender and Alicia Vikander met. This is a movie that I talked about in the Fastbender retrospective where they play a couple struggling with infertility. This is, again, a movie that took place about 100 years ago. It's from the same director that did Blue Valentine, which is a movie I love. And they live... He's a lighthouse. He runs a lighthouse somewhere in Australia. Either way, a baby... Uh, appears on the shore, I guess it's from a capsized boat, and they decide to raise it as their own, but they don't know if they should or not because it's not their baby. But they decide to raise it as their own because they're struggling with infertility, and there's a pretty graphic miscarriage scene in the movie. And then later, uh, the mom and some people come to, like, hey, we're, we're missing a kid, da, 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 and stuff. It's, it's a great movie. I think it's a very well-made movie. 27, Tulip Fever. Again, another movie where she cucks a man, She's married in this movie and has an affair behind the movie's ba- behind the, the, her husband's back. Euphoria is a movie that I, I mean, look, it's it's a, a European movie that's got my girl Eva Green, another sexy Saturday, and Charlotte Rampling, great actors. I think the movie's fine. Twenty eighteen gets another big break where she gets Tomb Raider. She gets the Tomb Raider franchise. But notice, this is twenty eighteen. Tomb Raider hasn't come back. Has not come back. No sequel. And at least Angelina Jolie's version got a sequel. 2019, let's take a break. I wanted to let you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 20, 
17, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. So just, you know, a lot of hit and miss in her career. So 2019, she does very two small movies, I'm Easy to Find and Earthquake Bird. 2020, she does The Glorias. This is a movie done by Julie Tamer, who's a big, big feminist, big feminist. She's a, a pretty well-regarded female director. She's done like Titus Andronicus, and she's done some other work, but uh, she plays... Vikander plays young Gloria Steinem in this movie, so this, of course, takes place in the early 70s. 2021, she does Blue Bayou, small movie. The Green Knight. I've not seen this movie. This is a movie that's based on Gawain and the Green Knight, and uh, it stars Dev Patel as Gawain, which is strange, but she's in this movie. Then, uh, she also in 2021, she does Beckett. Again, this is post-COVID, so again, cinema is struggling a little. This is a movie that has John David Washington, and uh, I just I, I need to do an episode on him because like it, he's mentioned in the Nepo Baby episode that May and I did. If he was not Denzel's kid, would he be getting as many opportunities as he does? But he's in this movie. He's an American tourist in Greece, and then he becomes a target of a manhunt and things ensue. So she's in this, and then most recently, Firebrand. Firebrand was. Uh, in consideration at the Cannes Film Festival this year. And she plays Catherine Parr, which is the last of Henry VIII's wives. I have not seen this because it has not been released anywhere. She's getting good buzz from it. I don't think she's going to get an Academy Award consideration for it. But apparently she is good in this. Jude Law plays the elder or, or, or the, the, the older, not as attractive version of Henry VIII. Because you think of other movies like uh, the, the Bo- other Boleyn Girl with Eric Bana. You think of Jonathan Reese Myers. We have an episode on him. What happened to him in the Tudors Showtime show. The, uh, Jude Law's version of Henry VIII here is not as attractive because this is near the end of his life because she is the final wife. As I mentioned, personal life, she's been dating Fassbender very, for most of her career. Again, she's only 34, so they started dating in her mid-20s. And then uh, they've got married in 2017 and they live in Portugal. I've talked about on the Fastbender episode. They just kind of hang out in Portugal. She had a child of theirs in 2021. And I don't know. I I think they make sense as a couple. They're both European. They both kind of like the quiet life. May and I talked about it in the episode on will these marriages last. I think we, I think I said that the premise of that episode was, will these marriages last more than five years? I get to five years. And I, and I said Fassbender and her will get to at least 10 years, if not longer. For some reason, I just think that the fact that they don't live in Hollywood or London says something about it. And I don't know. I just think that they fit. Now, is she a good actress? I don't know. I don't know. What, what 
I've not seen every movie she's done because she's done a lot of Euro movies, but I have seen her smaller movies and I've seen her kind of her, her large movies like Man from Uncle and of course Tomb Raider and and I've seen more of her kind of Oscar Beatty movies and I, I just I just don't know if she has a lot of range and I just there's something about her look that's not I, I I don't know how to pin it down. Like first of all, she doesn't she's not tall. She's five six, and I think five six is 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 stretching it like they do with NBA athletes saying when they're a certain height, when they're not. I think she seems more like a five four on on in, in movies. So she's she's shorter, which again is not necessarily a bad thing. There are successful actresses that are shorter. Florence Pugh, for example, is very short. But I don't her look she's pretty but not like oh just crazy beautiful um she does age well i mean she certainly does not look like she's 34 there's something about the way she looks that she always looks probably 10 years younger than she really is so if you look at her younger her earlier works she looks like she's 18 like in the royal affair and tulip fever and these early movies she looks younger than her age and even now at 34 she still looks younger than her age. And I, I mean, I, I think that's great. You know, women always want to look younger than her age. So I think that's great for her. I just don't know if she's a good actress. I, I, I think what it is, is when she's on stage or when she's on film, does she hold my attention? And she doesn't. She doesn't. And I don't know if it's just her accent. I don't know if it's just the way she looks. I don't know if I just have a personal bias toward her. Because she's Swedish, but look, I love Rebecca Ferguson. She's Swedish. I just think that it's a mixed bag. And I think Hollywood maybe sees it as a mixed bag as well. Because she she's definitely had opportunities the last, certainly I would say from the Danish Girl 2015, where she gets an Academy Award. And if you look at her career, kind of like what we talked about with Rami Malek, post-Oscar, it has been up and down. It has been up and down. And that's either a testament to her choices or her agent's choices in picking certain movies, or it's Hollywood saying that, you know, aside from doing small movies like The Light Between the Oceans or Tulip Fever or Euphoria or these kind of movies, I just don't know if she has a lot of range, and I just don't know if she catches the attention very well. And so... I'll leave this question open. You know, for example, I mean, I think supporting actress and best actress this year for 2024 Academy Awards, assuming that they're happen, are going to be stacked. Both of them are going to be stacked. I don't know if she's going to get a nomination for Firebrand, and I don't want to comment on Firebrand. I just find that there's something lacking about her, and I can't necessarily put my finger on it. And I just don't want to give the reductionist answer of she's a bad actress. There's just something about her that she just doesn't hold my attention. And I don't know if it's a combination of her, her acting ability or her looks, but it's just something about her that I just feel like, blah. Guys, I'll post something at the Cinema Rag Facebook group and over at Spotify where you can post comments in every episode. Please let me know what you think of her. Rate and review as we've gone down into 2024. We're near my birthday. I'm turning the 5-0, the big 5-0. But like Alicia Vikander, people say that I don't look like my age well either way you can go to the facebook group i post pictures of myself if you're curious to see what i look like either way rate and review because it helps the algorithm grow this channel now that we are a year old check the back catalog if you're new 
There in the episode notes, there's a link for PayPal if you want to make a donation. And there's a link to the eclecticogregorio.com website, which hosts the four feeds and also has hundreds of articles. Until next time, take care. God bless and pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.